So I think we should get back down to episode number five. Cinco. Okay, ready? Okay, so this is episode, episode number five. Yes, this is episode number five. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to A Side of Homicide. I'm Austin. And I'm Tennille. So Austin, how was your week today? How was um, your week today? Thank you for that. Um, my <laughs> week today was very good. <laughs> I am trying a new wine this time. It's still Cabernet, but it's a Joel Gott and it's it's pretty good. It's a little stronger than normal, so I'm feeling a little He's toasty. Feeling it. But hey, that's okay because technically... This is his weekend right now because he has Thursday and Friday's off. I'm sure he loves it. Yeah. Having no Thursdays and Friday's off. And then I have Saturday and Sunday. Well, I kinda obviously everybody wants the weekend off, but yeah. It's okay. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was it's been really good. I redecorated my bedroom and bought new furniture for it. It's so, so cute. A chair, a coffee table set and a mini bar yeah the mini bar is so cute it like really it's is. my favorite thing also i did on. finally figure out figure out how to adjust the shelves to fit bottles of wine in there so perfect. that's gonna be perfect that's all i you. need it is how is your week tenille you should ask me how my week was today like today yeah, how was your so week stupid. today tenille <laughs> so it was good i basically just kind of worked all week and i ran a lot of errands actually and then my tattoo is still healing um, I took my arm condom off. Finally. And you didn't let me watch. I'm so sorry. So you wanted to watch because for those of you who haven't really gotten big tattoos or even, I don't even know if they put it on small tattoos. Well, I can't remember. I got mine in the basement. So Yeah, he got his done in the basement by an unqualified person, which makes me nervous, but I didn't know him then. So it's fine. And so um, it's this very, very like sticky saran wrap looking thing. And so... Um, you can keep it on for like three to five days. I think, I think you could keep it on longer, but I just, I think I took it off day four. Yeah. And so I took it off in the shower cause it's so sticky and it hurts to take it off. I really wanted to watch it. You told like me no that I can watch it. Left. Look at that. Oof. And so, yeah, I should have let you watch it. Watch me in the shower. Take it off. I don't care. Like yeah, just stick your arm out of the shower and rip it off. Well, no, cause I, I have it under the water when I take it off. So I so, like have the water water. Okay. Okay, next your time, point. I'm going to get many more tattoos. You know this about me. So you can watch next time. How's that? Perfect. I promise. Okay, promise. thank you. You're welcome. I can sleep well tonight. Good. <laughs> and so also the other day um, we uh, went and got pizza. I think it was on New Year's Eve that we did. It was. Yes. And well, Austin was the one who wanted the pizza. I guess I should say. Yeah. Yeah. To clarify, things, I you didn't want pizza. <laughs> no. So we actually had to run to Target and I was like, Hey, well, I'm going to pick up pizza on the way home. So I ordered it and we had got there. I think it was around seven. Mm -hmm. And with the Domino's tracker, it tells you like what stage your pizza's in. So it's kind of cool. Well, it said that my pizza was being prepped and I was like, okay, hey, perfect. Like by the time we get there, it should probably be ready. Mm -hmm. And it was Us only forgetting a, that it's New Year's Eve though, and super, super, super busy. Well, because we don't we don't celebrate anything, but <laughs> no, <laughs> we didn't just, go out because of COVID. We probably would have if it wasn't right. But yeah, yeah so 
Um, we get there and it still says it's being prepped. And I was like, Hey, whatever. We'll just sit here. On and <laughs> yeah, well you were TikToking. I was, I don't know what the heck I was doing, but you were sitting angrily. No, hangrily. Excuse well, me. I was watching, I was trying to figure out what the, which one was Jessica because whatever Jessica was, she was prepping my pizza. So, yes. um, yeah, admits that we heard these loud bang sounds. It's like a pop, pop, pop. I thought it was gunshots, so I was like, "Tio, get down!" And I start reclining my seat. I'm like, like, "Holy fuck!" (laughs) But come to find out, they were just fireworks because it's New Year's Eve. But we didn't expect it, right? And you couldn't see it because of the way we were positioned. Yeah, well, and we were in the middle of town. Yeah. So whoever was doing it, obviously, it was illegal, but. Yeah, I did not expect it, but it scared us both. Yeah. Sadly. But but in still we didn't get the pizza. No, I never got my pizza. It ended up they forgot about it and it was just a whole mess. So I ended up just leaving angrily. I sped off. He did. And I was like, Hey, well, there's a subway on the way home. Let's just stop there. So the drive-thru lights were on. I was like, perfect. Let's go there. So I pull in the drive-thru. And I'm, like, ready to order my pepperoni and cheese sandwich that I always get. Yeah, it's so plain and disgusting. I can't Okay, but it. the whole point of Subway oh. is to get it how you want it. So that's how I want it, and that's you know how what? I'm going to order it. So I'll don't let you eat have it with it. me. I will. I'll let you have that one. So we I get, get up there. steak and cheese with extra onions and chipotle sauce. Nobody cares unless it's pepperoni and fucking cheese, so. <laughs> pepperoni and cheese? What? <laughs> what like it? I get. Oh, like you get. I was like, wait. <laughs> But so we get up there and to the menu and I'm ready to order. And I hear, thank you for stopping at Subway. Unfortunately, tonight with the holiday, we did close about 20 minutes ago. And I was like, okay, sounds good. Thank you. And as I'm pulling away, I told Tennille, you need to cover your ears. And she's like, what? And I'm like, just like that. (laughs) Just listen to me. Just listen to me. So she did. I screamed from the top of my lungs the entire way home. He did. He was. I could barely talk the next day because I was so mad because I hadn't eaten anything but a fucking muffin from Costco Mm -hmm. that entire day. I did make him happy though because when we got home, I made him buffalo chicken dip and the charcuterie, char whatever the cheese charcuterie. I don't know what it's called. Okay. Yes, the charcuterie board. Shut up. Okay. I we went home. I ate her charcuterie. Yes. With she, crackers. With crackers. I had cheese. <laughs> different, multiple different kinds of cheese and crackers, and he was happy again. Yes, and we had buffalo chicken dip, yes. which was good. Yes. But... So the next day, we actually ended up going to my parents, which is kind of like a half hour away, and we decided to because my parents. Um, do a steak fondue every New Year's. And I invited Austin because I was like, hey, I, I don't think he has anything going on. No. And he didn't. And so I brought him out there and we drove his truck. Yes, because your dad had yeah. to see it. The only way I could come out is if I drove my truck. Yeah, literally, that's what my dad said. He was kidding, of course, but you know, he really <laughs> wanted to see it. And so we went out there, ate a bunch. It was delicious. My nephew called me old as hell. <laughs> yeah, you were what, 68? Yeah, I'm 68. Austin, 64. You know, he's not too far off. Which is oddly fitting for <laughs> us, so. We are old at heart. I will so, take it. Yes. And then um, my dad always has these projects that he's working on. So, of course, he, you know, wanted Austin to help him on something. So we went outside. Austin helped him quick. Saw the truck, of course. Yep. You know, got inside he had it to even. sit in it. Yes, he had to sit in it. Even. <laughs> the whole experience. Yes. Talked about how great it was. 
And then afterwards he looks at us and he's like, stay here. I have a challenge for you guys. Well, and I thought he was going to ask us to get married or something because in the past he has asked you when I was going to be asked you to be my girlfriend. Yes. So. And I was like, dad, <laughs> like he's gay. Fully knowing that I was a homosexual, yes. but. And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. He understands our dynamic he now. Does. So clearly he likes you though. Cause he wouldn't have said that. Exactly. Otherwise. So, and so he decided to go inside and get whatever ready or whatever he wanted us to do ready. And then he comes back out with like a sled, just one sled. It was a long <laughs> sled though. I was like, okay, let's go. It was. And he's like, I challenge you guys to go down the hill. And it's like a big hill and we're not dressed for this. I've got leggings, really light leggings on and fake Ugg boots because I'm cheap. And then Austin's wearing, what were you wearing? Adidas, well, freaking Adidas shoes. And then... Adidas, um, what are they called? All stars or some? I, I'm not good with fashion. It's I should okay. be, but some sort of Adidas shoes that are meant for like skating or whatnot, mm -hmm. and skinny jeans. Yes, but not we did prepared. have jacket, like winter jackets on and gloves. About the only thing we did. Yeah, have. that's the only thing we actually had because we didn't expect this. And so you know what, Austin and I were like, why not? We're about to leave and go back home anyways. So yeah, exactly. And so we went down, we were about to go down, I should say. And then my dad's like, hold on, I need to record this. Yeah, he needed like, to. He needed to. He was determined. And well, I didn't have my phone on me because I don't really. He didn't have his either. No, so I don't even really have mine on me anyway. I had to volunteer as tribute. And so I got my phone out and I told him, I was like, okay, it's recording and handed it to him. And he's like, okay, I'll push you guys, get on the sled, like, let's go. Austin and I sit on it. We instantly can't move because we're too heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to scoot closer to the What edge. was it meant for three kids? Yeah, it was meant for three kids and we barely fit on it Well, together. it was like barely, barely two adults. Yes. So. And so he did end up shoving us down the hill on a sled and we made it pretty far. We, we made did. it to the we end did. and then we went back up again and he's like, okay, you guys should go again. It's like, I'll record it again. Well, and you know. Knowing this, we are 68 and 64 at this time. We're late for dinner at the retirement home already. Like We really were. It was this is five asking, Yeah, this is asking for too much from us. It is. And so Austin and I get back on the sled and we go and we wipe out instantly. We break the handles on a sled. Yep. Which it was fine. My dad didn't care because it was an old sled from when I was a kid. Yeah. And then we get back up on the hill and my dad's like, okay, wait, wait here. And, my, and Austin and I were like, oh God, what? And he goes inside, comes back out with two more sleds. And he's like, okay, go on these and race. These ones are slicker on the bottom. Yeah, they're slicker. He literally said that. I was that. like, perfect. <laughs> and I don't know why I got ballsy all of a sudden. I was like, I'm going face first. And I just died. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I will too. And then I quickly switched to my knees and just went down normally. Good but... plan though, because snow hit me in the face. Well, and I still ended up going sideways and rolling, but... Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> we had a good time though. We did. And then we get back up the hill and we're like, okay, we can't do it anymore. Like we're done. And my niece and nephew were watching from the window because it was a cold day and they didn't have snow pants. So my dad didn't want them to, you know, go out there and they were spending the night anyways. Yeah, so, so we had an audience. We did. We had an we're audience. under a lot of pressure. Yes. Oh, and my mom was watching. Yes. And so we finally get back in the car. I get Leonard in because, you know, Leonard came with us too. I said, oh, Austin, let's look at the video. Like, Check it out. Yeah. So we take out his phone and we realize that my dad literally didn't record us. Correction. He recorded his feet. Well, didn't record us. So yeah, he did record his feet. <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> the entire time. And it's just a glimpse of us walking up the the hill and then mm -hmm. it went back to, our, to his feet. And then he had a second video of him walking 
from the hill inside to get the other sleds all the way back out. And that was it. Yep. <laughs> like totally something a dad would do. But he felt so bad because I called him right after I saw it. And he was like, oh, my God, turn around. Like, I'm so sorry. Come back. Like, let's do it again. And I'm I, like, dad, no. <laughs> I love your parents. But when you said they are boomers, I didn't mean, no, you meant Boomers. There are boomers. <laughs> so, it is so funny. And my dad still today feels so bad. Like he even says, okay, you and Austin have to come back out. We have to do this again. I was like, okay, dad. Okay. That was like a once in a lifetime thing for us. So, <laughs> Well, and I was like, we had fun. So it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't recorded. We didn't even care if it was recorded. He was the one he who wanted He was the it. one who wanted it recorded. I was yeah. like, I could give zero fucks yeah. about this. But it was, it was kind of adorable though. But it we was. had fun. So another thing that I kind of wanted to do, um, it probably won't be every single episode, but just kind of here and there, I want to talk about like news um, that has like just come out, like true crime stuff or kind of just, you know, just interesting things that came out. Because most of the time, I, I don't know how I am, but I'm always out of the loop on everything. You're mainly my news source. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I'll take that responsibility here. <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to do two of them today. Um, so one is the RV Nashville Christmas explosion. Have you heard of that? No. Well, I mean, I did, but I haven't heard the details about it. Yes. So um, the explosion was caused by 63-year-old Anthony Quinn Warner, who ended up dying in the explosion by suicide. And he was the one who built the bomb. And he had actually parked his RV near an AT&T telecommunications hub. And there was this odd recording that was on speaker that was stating that a bomb was going to go off in 15 minutes. Okay, so why the hell would he warn people about yeah, that? Isn't that weird? Because usually when you want to, you know, bomb a place, you're bombing the people and the place. Right. So it's like he wanted to save people. So it's yeah. just very strange. So I was reading comments and just, you know, reading different articles on this. And I heard that he was targeting an AT&T building because he believed that the 5G had issues and it was affecting people in a bad way. And I don't know if that's true or not. If he did believe that, you know, could just be off his rocker, clearly. Either way, I think it's a little extreme to bomb the place. Mm -hmm. Maybe write them a strongly worded letter yes. <laughs> before anything else. I mean, at least he didn't go in the building and shoot up the place. You know, so, that's I mean, that's true. But... but he did a lot of damage. If you've seen pictures, he Yeah, he I really have did. seen that. Like, it's crazy. And so, I mean, at least he only killed himself and nobody else. But I think a few people got injured from what I read, but they're fine. Yeah. Like, they're okay. Um, and the second story I wanted to cover was Samuel Little. Do you know who that is? Um, so, no. It's okay. Um, so, Samuel Little was a serial killer from America, and he was convicted of killing three women. But he actually claimed to end up killing around 93 women in total. Okay. And he died. Don't love that. That's the only reason that it's relevant because he finally died. May okay. He, you know, love that him. part, but not yes. the <laughs> May he rot 93 in hell. women. <laughs> yes. And so that was just kind of two little tidbits that I just thought were kind of interesting to know. So another thing I wanted to mention, um, I have had a few requests for a few different cases that I guess personally I am not willing to cover. But like if Austin, you know, if you wanted to cover these, I'm totally cool with it. I just don't personally want to because these cases just kind of hit me hard and I just don't want to cover them. I'm going to mention just three. Um, it's the Gabriel Hernandez case, the toy box killer, and then Luke Magnata from Don't Fuck With Cats. And the reason for Luke Magnata, it, that case isn't really super, super crazy. Yes, he did murder somebody. 
but this one has to do with he also killed a bunch of cats yeah, and i just i don't I like can anything deal with that either yeah, i don't like anything killing animals i just i can't so any kind of case that has killing animals in it i will not cover yeah i don't blame you there but i mean as far as a toy box one i i think you'll cover that one that's one of the ones that i find the most interesting so maybe i will cover it i mean mm-hmm. if, obviously if everybody wants to hear our take on it yeah I would love to cover and i'm totally it, but... cool with you doing it i just don't want to do it myself. right right and obviously i mean i don't know it doesn't seem anyway that I have much of a boundary because <laughs> I unintentionally picked two cases that were cannibals. So it's okay. You know, it's going to come up, you know, so we just need to find more fluffy murders. I think, I don't know if there's actually a fluffy murder to be honest, well, <laughs> but we will try our best. Yes, exactly. So this episode is episode number five and it's going to air on the 17th. We are just recording this early so we can make sure we are ahead of the game just in case, you know, Austin gets COVID or I get COVID. Then we just don't have to worry about recording. Right. You know, and then we won't have to miss publishing episodes. Um, Have you heard about Daisy King? No. So. I would love to hear about it. Please enlighten me with this. Sure you would. So huge shout out to the FBI because I did get a lot of my information on this case from them. So I'm going to provide a link in our show notes, and I'm sure my FBI agent watching out of my webcam was very proud of my research. Probably. Honestly, I didn't yes. even know about this, and I didn't think of that to look it up. So that's something I'm going to get my information from in the future. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, they had a ton of information on this case, which Well, I'm sure really they did. Cool. I mean, now that you said something, I'm yeah. like, you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Well, and that's usually where I get our Missing Mondays from, Yeah, the FBI website. So, um, also, I actually heard of this case first on, and that's why we drink podcast when they covered it. And I've been super, super interested ever since I've listened to that episode. Okay. Tell me why. So first shout out to Emma and Christine, because I adore them. They are wonderful. They're so cute. And Christine is my soulmate. I was just going to say that. (laughs) I totally go with Em because I don't drink a ton. You know, you really don't. I don't. Mm-mm. And I, it's no reason, just like her. It's There's always no me. I, I come over and I'm plastered. I'm like, hello. But I like vibe off that energy and so does M. Perfect. You know, so it's just, it's perfect. It's the good, it's the good team. Yes. So shout out to them for covering that because it was super interesting. So a little bit about this case. Um, it is a United Airlines flight 629 that took flight on November 1st, 1955 at 6.52 p.m. from the Stapleton Airport in Denver, Colorado. On this flight, there was a total of 44 people aboard the plane, and they were on their way to Portland, Oregon. So 11 minutes into the flight, all 44 people aboard the plane died instantly while crashing into a sugar beet farm near Longmount, Colorado. Must have been an exciting day for that farmer. Or, you know, surrounding towns even, because it was a huge explosion. I would imagine, yeah. And so there were a total of 39 passengers and five crew members. An eyewitness, Martha Hopp, who didn't live very far from the crash site, stated that she was eating dinner when the plane exploded, and her and her father ran outside and drove towards the wreckage, as many people that lived in that area ended up doing. Well, they didn't have Facebook or Twitter to look at all this on, so... (laughs) Right, that's what I mean. Like, they had nothing. So, let's get in the car and mosey on over there. And so the bodies were recovered from the crash site and they were sent to Greeley, Colorado. And hopefully I'm saying, you know, that name correctly, but they had a temporary morgue set up at the National Guard Armory. And they did this just because there was too many bodies to fit in a normal morgue. Well, I would imagine, yeah, they weren't prepared or equipped Mm -mm, for that. No. 
And so on November 2nd and November 3rd, 1955, bodies were being identified. Nine of the bodies had already been identified by relatives or friends because, you know, so many people were on that crash site. Some of them knew each other, which is super sad. Unfortunately. Once bodies were recovered, the FBI had fingerprint experts so that they could start identifying the bodies. And once they started fingerprinting, only 21 of them could be identified as their fingerprints were on record already. And this does not mean that, like, those 21 people were, like, criminals or anything like that. Well, because you have your fingerprints on file, don't you? Yes, and I did just for the fact that I wanted to do, like, TSA pre-check. Right. And so to do that, like, you have to fill out a bunch of questions and go in and get your fingerprints done and give them all your information and whatnot. Yep. So, like, mine are on record right now. But they could have been doing it for, like, either a job, travel like I did, or to become a citizen. And then the remaining bodies that, like, weren't fingerprinted were later identified by relatives or through their belongings that they had. Yeah. And obviously they had a plain, I think it's manifest, I believe. Of, like, who sat where. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're Um, saying. I get your vibe. And so while some FBI officers were identifying the bodies, others were actually working on like what happened to make the plane actually crash. And so this happened on November 2nd through November 7th, 1955. And during their investigation, it was noted that the tail section of the plane had actually been cleanly severed from the rest of the plane. The tail of the plane actually didn't have much damage when they found it. It was found about a mile and a half away from the rest of the plane. And the FBI were not the only ones um, investigating at this point. There were engineers from the United Airlines and Douglas Aircraft Corporation, and there were specialists from the Civil Aeronautics Board as well. And as they were all investigating, they were unable to come up with an explanation on, like, what exactly happened to the plane. Well, right. It didn't just explode on its own. And it didn't seem to be, like, any technical errors or any, you know, mechanic errors or anything like that. On November 7th, 1955, after realizing it wasn't an issue with the plane itself, the chief of investigations of the Civil Aeronautics Board made a statement saying that there were indications of sabotage. I don't know why. I think it's the office. They say sabotage. Do you remember that episode? No. Okay. That's okay. I talk about the office too much. So why did they think there was sabotage? Just because nothing was wrong with the plane itself. Oh, yeah. You know, so what else, what other explanation would have been? They search it, though, to try to see if there was. Yes, and I'll I'll be getting that to that, too. So the FBI began interviewing, like, all eyewitnesses of the crash um, and then all airport or airline employees that had access to the plane before takeoff. And they also started to investigate what was in the cargo and baggage area as well. And they sifted through the wreckage to find anything that came from the cargo hold. According to the FBI, approximately 200 individual occupants of a 140-square-mile area surrounding the scene of the crash were interviewed. And through those interviews, it was discovered that the plane exploded twice. The first explosion happened in the air, and then the second one was likely a fuel tank when the plane hit the ground. Oh! Everything from the plane crash was collected for evidence, but people would still continue to find mail, insulation of the plane, and personal items from the passengers. And for investigation purposes, a copy of the central section of the plane was made, and it was from wood, wire netting, and all parts left of the exploded plane, and it came together in many pieces. So kind of like a jigsaw puzzle in a way. Yeah. And so... Which is kind of cool in a way that they did that. It's kind of cool that they were able to, you know, do that back in the 1950s. Yeah, especially with all those materials. (laughs) Yeah, so it's kind of surprising, to be honest. 
An engineer determined that the point of explosion had occurred at station 718 in the rear cargo pit known as number four. And while organizing all of the wreckage, there were five small fragments of sheet metal that were not part of the plane. And the investigators did not believe they were any contents of the cargo. And the investigators believed that this was part of an explosive that was made as there was sodium carbonate, nitrate, sulfur compounds on them. Oh, so just everything somebody... Everything to make a bomb. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, everything I would bring onto a flight. Right. Yeah, just everyday just... items. You know, <laughs> fuck toothpaste. I need sodium carbonate with me. <laughs> and so once the investigation revealed that it was likely an explosive that was purposely detonated, the FBI started to look into each passenger that was on the plane and they were looking for like any possible motive somebody could have had for blowing up that plane. And they started connecting each passenger with each luggage that they found. And then they tried to figure out like what was in each luggage by contacting either family members or friends, you know, that might have known. Right. And a little fact here. This was one of the first attacks on a commercial airliner in the United States. They didn't have a very good, like, they didn't have very good security measures back then, obviously. Well, I was going to say, the, really, the only thing I heard about was 9-11, because that's what caused most of the mm -hmm. security yeah. that we do have today. Yeah, and I even have in my notes here, you know, obviously, after the 9-11 attack, there was a lot more security put in place right. because of that. The FBI started to look into a passenger named Daisy E. King. She was 54 years old at the time, and a few things that were discovered from the wreckage that were hers were personal letters newspaper clippings of her family, a checkbook, $1,000 in traveler's checks, an address list, two keys, and a receipt for a safety deposit box. All of these items were believed to be um, in her carry-on bag and not in her actual luggage. So hardly anything was actually recovered from her luggage, which is pretty believable just for the fact that, you know, the plane actually blew up. Well, like, it went boom. So. Yeah, <laughs> twice, so... And the FBI wanted to talk to her son, and his name was John Jack Gilbert Graham. John Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> <laughs> his name is my name, too. I actually forgot about that. I'm so I glad I could it. bring back a memory. Yeah, I yet. haven't heard of it in, like, years. That's so wholesome. Well, thank you for that. Love that. <laughs> and so he goes by Jack, so I'm just going to say Jack, because I ain't saying that whole name. Yeah, whole I don't time. blame you. <laughs> So when Jack was interviewed by the FBI, he was asked about what might have been in his mother's suitcase that was on the plane. And he stated he had no knowledge of what was in her bags as he didn't help her pack. But at this time, they lived together. So, I mean, he was around her when she was packing, technically. Right. And he knows what kind of items or clothing his mom wears. And, like, if you really cared, you would look through her closet and be like, okay, this is what she's missing. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, at least in my opinion. With somebody, right. Like, you know, you, know, you mm -hmm. don't just go, I don't know. And your mother also just died. So, like, why wouldn't you be trying to right, get... trying to help? Well, and you would know her, like, morning routine, her night routine. You know, you think you would kind of see in the bathroom what kind of, you know, makeup she might have or just... Well, what apparently, kind of according to John, he didn't. So, Jack, But, yeah, John Jackson. Oh, okay. I was just thinking John Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. So back in the day, a lot of people who would fly would obtain trip insurance. And obviously we do today as well, but usually we don't obtain it at the airport. I usually obtain mine online. So this was you. obtained at the airport? It was. These were sold at airports at the time. And her son, Jack, bought trip insurance at the airport that day for his mother. And he paid a whopping $150. Shut up. Yeah. $1.50. Yeah. 
So and like this was like for a thirty-seven thousand five hundred dollar policy. I could have bought this policy from the fucking one dollar menu on at McDonald's. Literally. Less like, than that. How crazy is that? Whew. And so of course he made himself the beneficiary the beneficiary. Imagine that. I know. And so she had two other policies, um, and she knew about these because these um, were $6,250 each, and one beneficiary was her sister, and the other was her daughter. So was this already, like, established before he bought that trip insurance? Yes. Okay. So a little bit of a background on Daisy. She was married uh, the first time, and she had one daughter, and then she ended up marrying a second time. And this man's name was William, who was Jack's father. And William, unfortunately, died when Jack was just around three years old due to pneumonia, which is sad. You know, because he never got to know his dad. Yeah. And then uh, Jack was born on January 23rd, 1932. And this was in Denver, Colorado. And Daisy actually ended up remarrying for a third time since William died. Damn, girl. I know. She's finding all the husbands. (sighs) Can't even find one. (laughs) And this guy's name was John Earl King. And he later died as well. So just bad luck yeah. with the husband business. He is, girl. And after John Earl King's death, she received an inheritance from him. But the odd thing is, Daisy actually sent Jack to an orphanage due to her poverty. But if she inherited money, you think she would bring him back? And she never did. She left him there. Interesting. Isn't that sad? But then she kept her daughter home. So just Jack went to the orphanage. Which is very sad because, like, he obviously knows his mother. Okay, if I was Jack, I'd him. be kind of bitter about that. I'd be super bitter. I definitely yeah. wouldn't let her live with me in the future. Right. Just saying. <laughs> um, it was also stated that he never got along with his mother, and they ended up arguing a lot. And during Jack's life, uh, he was in the U.S. Coast Guard for almost a year, and he actually did receive an honorable discharge. And he was later a heavy-duty equipment mechanic. And then he actually ended up marrying and having two children of his own. And then later on, he ended up being employed by his mother, Daisy, as the manager at her drive-in restaurant. And Daisy ended up moving into Jack's home with him and his family. In the past, Jack had been charged with forgery. He was working as a payroll clerk, and he stole a number of checks and forged the name of the company's owner and then cashed them throughout the city. You know, that'll happen. There was also a report that stated that Jack purposely stalled his truck on the railroad tracks for a train to hit so that he could collect insurance money on it. And later on, he did admit this to the FBI. (laughs) He did do it. (laughs) Okay. There had been an explosion at a drive-in he managed. It was revealed that somebody had disconnected the gas line connection. And again, some people suspected that he did this. And he also later admitted this to the (laughs) FBI, that he did do it. (laughs) I mean, at least he's honest. Well, now he is. You know, in the end, he became honest. I mean, he was able to take responsibility for it. He did. In the end, he did. That's something. So Jack's wife's name was Gloria, and she stated that Jack had given his mother a Christmas present right before she left for the airport. This was because Daisy would not be back before Christmas, and Gloria believed that it was actually tools used for forming seashells into art projects that Jack had bought his mother. Um, and cause he had earlier suggested that that's what they should get her for Christmas. Okay. And she saw the present that morning, but it was already like wrapped up in like Christmas wrapping. So she never actually saw what it was inside of it. Did she pack it then? So I'll get to that. So Jack stated that to the FBI that he never ended up buying a tool set or even giving his mother a present at all, which is very strange because they have conflicting stories now. Yeah. 
you know, and why would a wife and husband have two different stories? You know, they live in the same house, they're True. married. So the FBI thought that was very strange. And since the statements were different, uh, Jack offered to sign a sworn statement, kind of like an affidavit. Yep. Um, and also offered to take a polygraph. And honestly, I don't think I would ever take a polygraph. So I'm shocked that he offered no, to. No, guilty or not, I've never taken a no. polygraph. And I know we always think that looks suspicious when people don't want to. I'm already a nervous person. You know that because you kind of are too. We're both anxious. Yeah. And so I feel like we both like fail because we'd be so nervous. And then it would say that we're like lying, even though we weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd also hire an attorney yep. ASAP, you know, even yep. though, again, to some people it looks suspicious, but it's just the best Innocent thing you can do. Intel proven guilty. Yes. And so Jack actually allowed the FBI to search his house, vehicles, and property. And the FBI ended up finding materials that were found in the plane crash from the explosive that were used in Jack's home. Did they have to get a warrant for that? Or did he just willingly? He just allowed him to go in. Interesting. Which is odd because, like, he knows these items are in his home. Also said that because they found this wire material that was used in the explosive in a jacket in his home. <laughs> so maybe that he didn't know how extensively they would search. Well, they're searching for and, bomb material. And they're the FBI. Like, hello. <laughs> oh. And then also another thing was, um, so when he was at the airport getting that trip insurance. Yep. So you can, you know, have a copy printed or mail a copy. And he claims that he tossed the copy at the airport away, like threw it away. Okay. And he mailed himself a copy, which is weird. Yeah. So he said he never got it in the mail yet. So, but okay. they also found that hidden in his house as well. And so it was there. And then Jack admitted to the FBI that he was the one who caused the plane crash. Finally, just admitted it because you know he admitted all of his other things too that day. Yeah, so. God, what a guy! Yeah, just admitting to it. So according to the FBI, he made a bomb composed of twenty-five sticks of dynamite, which is a shit ton. He could have got by with one. Like, it's a lot to do 25 sticks. And to, you know, Oof. even handle 25 sticks of dynamite, like, that's dangerous. Damn. So, it was composed of 25 sticks of dynamite, two electric primer caps, a timer, and a six-volt battery. Jack's half-sister actually had talked to the FBI, too, and she did not believe that he was mentally okay. And she actually stated that he had pent-up violence in him, which I could see, obviously. Right. And in the past, he was even violent with her. He had knocked her down and kneed her so hard in the chest that it caused injuries to her ribs. Poor thing. Yeah. And another time, he had threatened her with a hammer, and she only got away by locking herself in another room. Oh. Yeah. It's super sad. And she also witnessed him be violent with his wife, Gloria, oh. which is sad because obviously he was violent with everybody then. Right. I don't know if he was violent with his kids or not. I did not read anything on that. Okay. So I'm guessing not because I do feel like they would have put that in, you know, the articles that I've read. Right. So he even tried pleading um, innocent by reason of insanity. And Jack was later evaluated by four psychiatrists and they all determined that he was legally sane. And the FBI stated that he was a model prisoner, which honestly comes up a lot in true crime stories. And I don't give a shit if he was a model prisoner. Like, he did bad things. I don't I don't care what Isn't it, he's doing good now. I don't. It's interesting because you always hear about these criminals being model prisoners. Mm -hmm. And a lot of true crime stories. So it was noted that in his time in jail, um, he would talk with the guards, just, you know, chit-chat with them. And he would read. So he's just, you know, kind of quiet and kept to himself. And 
He actually did end up attempting suicide by twisting his socks tightly around his neck, but he did fail as a guard found him before he was able to complete suicide, and he was actually placed in a straitjacket for the night. And then the next day, he was taken to a psychiatric ward at the Colorado General Hospital, and he was strapped to a bed, and then four officers obviously guarded his room so he couldn't escape or anything. Right. And so he couldn't attempt suicide again. And so in Jack's confession, he stated that when Daisy was almost done packing, he slipped the bomb in her suitcase and then closed it. So he did sneak it in. So Daisy didn't even know that there was a present or anything. So he did know what was in her luggage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he lied about that too. So Jack, his wife, kids, and Daisy all went to the airport together. Jack dropped him off at the front door. Then he went to park the car and grab the suitcase for his mother. And um, when he grabbed the suitcase out of the car, he set the timer and the bomb, and then he brought it into the airport for check-in. And he brought it immediately to, like, the bag check. He didn't stop, you know, to talk to his mom or anything. He just went right there. Damn, okay. Jack said, the number of people to be killed made no difference to me. It could have been a thousand. When their time comes, there is nothing that they can do about it, which is insane. He decided the time. It wasn't their time. And it wasn't a natural death or like an accident or anything. Like he specifically murdered all of them. And interesting that he was deemed clinically sane. Right? For him to say that. that Sorry, what? And so Jack's trial ended up setting a record for Colorado in the number of jurors examined. A total of 231 were called. Hundreds of people even waited outside the courtroom trying to get an open seat inside. And when this... This actually was the first trial in the U.S. to be televised, too, which is kind of interesting. Oh. Yeah, because it was just such a big case, you know. Well, I would imagine, yeah. Yeah. And so on May 5th in 1956, the jurors deliberated for approximately 69 minutes. They found Jack guilty of murder in the first degree and recommended the death penalty. And the judge then sentenced him to death, and he was executed in the gas chamber on January 11th, 1957, which is morbid because that's my birthday. Do I see a frowny face in your notes? (laughs) Face, just the, the microsoft birthday. word typical <laughs> so also as a little side note um i agree with certain situations um i do agree with the death penalty in this situation i do agree but i don't think it's always the right thing to do especially like i know there's been some high profile cases lately where you know some people claim they are innocent innocent and they are put to death and that's super sad right you know, what are your I, I think it definitely deserves a good trial. Yes. I Even agree. though this was 69 minutes. I mean, in this, in this case, he obviously admitted yes. to everything and I think he deserved it because he was obviously not remorseful at all for all the deaths that he caused mm-hmm. and so true. tragedy that he caused for their families. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Well, guys, that's episode five. Um, like always, we've got our dog cat fact. Austin, did you want to go first? Yes, I would love to go first. So for my cat fact today, so cat's claws are all curved downward, and which are kind of like our um, hands, for example. Mm-hmm. So they can't climb down a tree head first. They kind of have to back down the tree. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, kind of makes sense. But I that's, that, yeah. that's why they either, I mean, jump out yeah, of the like tree. they, fly out of the tree. Or they kind of, <laughs> like, you know, back down the tree. I've, I've wondered that because my parents have a bunch of farm cats. And yeah. so it's like when I see them, you know, trying to get squirrels or something, it's like when they back down, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, they're like, yeah. Oh, what the hell well, is going on? So they kind of climb down like a ladder, per yeah. se, you know. 
Um, I'm interested though, what is your dog fact for today? So this time it's going to be on German Shepherds because I grew up with multiple German Shepherds on the farm. So did you know that German Shepherds originated in Germany and they were bred as a sheepdog, you know, hence the name German Shepherd. Imagine that. Right. And they are considered to be the third most intelligent dog breed, which I think is kind of cool. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've always known they were smart, but I didn't know they were like the third most intelligent. So it's kind of interesting. I think all dogs are very smart. But anyways, um, looks like this will be out on the 17th. So our Instagram target giveaway is already done with. Thanks for all who participated in that. Um, and we'll probably be doing one uh, later this year. So keep following and keep an eye out on that. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at... Side of Homicide. You can follow us on Facebook at... A side of homicide. And you can email us at side of homicide at hotmail.com. All right. That's all we got for you guys. That is all we have. Thank you so much to all of you that listen to us and that give us feedback throughout the time. I cannot thank you enough. Um, you know, this just started as something that we kind of enjoy doing and it's it's a fun now. It's, it's really fun. It's really awesome. fun to get together and talk to each other about mm-hmm. true crime because we did this anyways. But, you know, it's it's awesome to hear that other people do enjoy our mm-hmm. banter together yeah. or uh, our take on stuff. So. Yeah, it is fun. So thank you guys so much and stay paranoid. Stay paranoid, every one of you beautiful people. Bye. Bye.